Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, channel pros. Welcome to episode 13 of Channel Journeys. Rob Spee here, your podcast host and CEO of Channel Journeys Consulting, where we help software vendors develop innovative channel strategies and partner programs to accelerate channel growth. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. I am really enjoying and learning from the conversations I've been having with a wide variety of channel leaders, and I hope you are too. This week, I've got a super fun and interesting guest. She is the driver behind numerous channel publications and channel events. By now, you've probably read The VAR Guy, MSP Mentor, Channel Futures, or maybe Channel Partners, or attended one of their shows. This week's guest is Lorna Gary. She is the editor-in-chief of all of those publications and the producer of the Channel Partners events. And the 22nd Annual Channel Partners Expo is coming up in just two weeks. That's taking place April 9th through 12th. So it is a great time to have Lorna on the show. Listen in as she gives us an insider's view of her world and shares a bit of her very interesting channel story, including her connection to the famous General George Patton, who was nicknamed Old Blood and Guts in World War II. And for those of you who are interested in building your own personal brand, well, listen to the ending for some valuable tips on how to get published and how you can become a speaker at a future Channel Partners event. Let's jump in and hear all about it. Here we go. Hi, Lorna. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantastic. Doing very well down here in Atlanta, and you are up north in the Boston area? Yep, just north of Boston. We're getting the first taste of spring. Um, so, you know, in Boston, once it hits about 40, people are like, oh, my God, it's summer, and they put their shorts on and get their iced coffees. That's great. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, the way you said summer tells me that you <laughs> might be from there. I am. I am. I grew up uh, just outside the city. I went away for a while, but had to come back. Great area. It is a great area. My parents are from the Boston area, but I grew up in Seattle. Oh. Uh, I did go and I went and lived in uh, Acton outside of Boston for not too long when I, my daughters were very young and we loved teaching them how to say clam chowda. <laughs> chowda, yep. And Ch- of course, we have, you know, Patriots and um, Celtics and Bruins. So we're, we're pretty lucky here. Who were the Patriots? <laughs> <laughs> the team that just seems to win every year. Yeah, very strong. Lorna, it's great to chat with you. Welcome to Channel Journeys. Maybe for starters, you wear a lot of different hats uh, in what you do for your company, Informa Exhibitions. Is that the name? Is that right? Yes, Informa is our parent company. So maybe we just start there. Tell us a little bit about what you do. You've got various responsibilities. I do. Well, Rob, so do you. Um, But yes, I am the editor-in-chief of Channel Partners and Channel Futures, which are media sites. And I'm the producer for our events as well. Um, I work very closely with T.C. Doyle, who some of your um, listeners may know. He's kind of taking the lead on our new London show that we can talk about. But yeah, oversee a great team. And um, it's a lot of fun. All right. So you're editor-in-chief. We'll get into those publications. And you're the producer of these events. And you've got the big one coming up, Channel Partners Expo in Vegas. So let's start there. Yes. Channel Partners in Vegas, 2019. We, this is the 22nd year for the show. Um, this is my fifth year. 
So in those five years, and I'm certainly not taking credit for this because we have a, a fantastic team, but we've grown more than doubled the event um, in terms of revenue and, and the size has gone up. In five years, you've doubled it? In both five years, yep, in terms of revenue. Wow. So, And to put that in perspective, um, this year we're doing what's called a Founders Forum, where we're getting the five master agencies that started the show 22 years ago on stage. And so as part of that, I did some research. And when the show started 22 years ago, it was 200 people. So this Hmm. year we're expecting 6,200. So, you know, I did a little bit of math, uh, used Google for at that, but we're figuring that's about a 17% combined annual growth rate for the show. That's a pretty good clip. Good clip. So is there a, is there an overall theme for the show this year? Uh, The show's disruption. We're doing what's called a business success symposium. The idea is, uh, you know, we've all heard a million times, well, you'll get Ubered or don't let yourself be disrupted. Go out and do the disruption. And that ties into, you and I both hear, oh, the channel, it's, you know, nobody needs the channel anymore. Everything's in the cloud. Uh, You know, we know by the, the growth of our traffic on our site and the events, is it's so true. You see it yourself. So the channel is the channel is not dying. You're saying I do not think the channel is dying. No, <laughs> um, and so but but it is changing, right? And so yep. the theme is to say, look, you can either change your business or you can wait until some you know born in the cloud non traditional partner comes along and changes it for you. Partners have a lot of different names, you know, reseller, VAR, MSP, solution provider. Do you, are you measuring what the kind of mix, and, and who knows, partners may call themselves different things even though they look alike, but do you try to measure the partner mix and what types of partners are coming to the event? We do. The Vegas show has always been predominantly agents, um, but the mix of those calling themselves MSPs has been the fastest growing. So we're about half agents, half other uh, for hmm. Vegas, um, and most the largest group on that is MSPs. Now, we think that some of that is, we call them aspirational MSPs, right? So they're maybe VARs, maybe agents that saw the need to add some managed services and saw the ability to do so through services mm-hmm. like what Office Depot offers, um, you know, where they can go out and they can say to a customer, yeah, we've for a long time, you've trusted us with your, you know, communications, your telecommunications, you know, your networking. We can support your security, um, your desktop needs. I think a lot of them are winning that conversation. The fall show is more of what we would think of as the pure play MSPs. They're the people um, on the MSP 501 list. Okay. Right. That we do that. We've tied the MSP 501 to the fall show, which will be in Washington, D.C. this year in September. Right. But, you know, there's a number of agents who come there and are looking to learn. So the, the big burning question for that show is going to be, uh, are these two channels and sales models going to combine or is it are they going to stay separate and sort of just fighting it out on the customer level yeah yeah is there going to be a a disruptive collision there right at channel partners vegas of the 6200 how many of those are partners versus vendors yeah so we went around 60 percent partners at our shows historically Uh, we're up 10 percent this year um, in terms of partners so then you have another Maybe two to three percent would be our speakers, um, our staff, um, our other journalists and analysts who come to cover the show. It's not just channel partners or channel futures journalists. You know, we're open to everyone. Um, and then the rest would be uh, suppliers and exhibitors. 
And that bucket would include our master agent and distributor friends. Well, I'm looking forward to going. It's going to be a lot of fun being out there and yeah, meeting you and yeah, seeing you and, and meeting a lot of the other partners that are going to be there. That's fantastic. So that's the big event coming up. You've got the fall event uh, in D.C., and how many years have you been doing the DC event? Uh, the DC event, when I started, um, it had, was a few years old, and it was called, uh, it was a cloud name. Boy, it's been a while. We changed it to Channel Partners Evolution because cloud went from being this innovative thing to just the way people do things. So right. this year, um, it's going to be not at the uh, Walter E. White Convention Center downtown, which is interesting. We looked around, we, we moved the show around um, on the East Coast and decided to go downtown Washington rather than the Gaylord, that's where we were a few years ago. And we're okay. also um, doing it a little differently. There are going to be two giant expo floors. We've got an enormous floor space because one of the big complaints we get from um, attendees is, well, you know, here's the floor, but then I had to walk. You know, you'd think it was like three miles uphill in the snow um, to get <laughs> meeting spaces and the keynote room. So we're trying very hard to make everything very compact so that people are can flow from the, the keynote space to the meeting rooms to the expo floor. You know, those of us in the channel, we hate to travel, so make <laughs> it easy on us. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think for the women, um, I've never seen so many fancy shoes as at the Channel Partners event. So I know it's tough when you're wearing those four-inch heels. <laughs> I... I don't know how hard that is, but I can only imagine. Did you mention you've got an event, uh, a new event coming up in London? We do. It's going to be at the Park Plaza London, which is very close to uh, Windsor Palace, I believe. Very nice venue. It's going to be uh, December 2nd uh, time frame. The Monday and Tuesday was set up on Sunday. So this is something that we're going to roll out um, and start talking about in Las Vegas. You know, it's a launch event, so it's not huge. We'll only have probably room for about eight premier sponsors. We're very excited about that. I was just over there. Were you checking it out? I was. I was over checking out. You know, we have to make sure only the best for our attendees and exhibitors. So it's a beautiful exactly. venue. Exactly. That will be nice. So have you had an international event before? Well, Informa is a London-based company. Um, we have mm -hmm. events all over the world, but I have not, and Channel Partners has not had an international event. So this will be a first. Okay, excellent. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's the event side. Now, how about the editing side? You're editor-in-chief, and that's that's been in your blood for many, many years, right? The the whole publication side. Yes, yes. I started probably more years ago than we want to talk about as um, <laughs> at uh, E-Week when it was still PC Week. Um, I had just kind of gotten, my husband had gotten out of the Navy. We moved back to Massachusetts and was looking for a job. And I walked in and uh, started working at, at PC Week. Um, from there, um, I went to network computing as a sneaks editor when we used to have sneaks. What was that? Uh, sneak previews. So it was little one-off ah, okay. reviews of products. Very fun. Ended up as executive editor. Uh, network computing was a great publication. If you, you know, were in tech media, we had labs, you know, it wasn't unheard of that you would bring in six refrigerator-sized fans to our Green Bay lab and just set an editor loose, pounding on them for a month or two, and then write it up. Um, you know, that model of publishing, unfortunately, um, has not, is not here anymore. So we uh, merged network computing sort of into Information Week, and uh, Art Whitman and I went over and started up um, the Information Week Analytics group, where we 
Hmm. I did many surveys, probably uh, 30 or 40 surveys a year, everything from the security survey, annual land salary survey, to uh, talking about cloud and outsourcing and new technologies. And that was great. Stayed at Information Week for quite a while. And then Art had come over to Channel Partners when it was still Virgo, owned by Virgo Publishing, and said, hey, there's this thing called a channel. It's a lot of fun. You should come over here. I said, oh, all right. Um, so I did and jumped over and gone from there. I had no idea what the channel was. You know, as a tech <laughs> journalist, you have this idea of this amorphous cloud, if you will, of the way that products and services get from suppliers to companies. But it's just not something that you think that much about. So, And, and I think that's one of the problems continuing with mainstream tech journalism Whenever I see people I used to work with, I'll say, look, you know, the channel's big. Like, I bet a lot of your readers are the technical people for your for the managed service providers, for agents, cars. Mm-hmm. Um, you should talk to them. You should talk about what they do, and we don't. So, it's job it is kind of a, it is job security for you guys. <laughs> but it is quite astounding when you realize how much of the economy goes through the channel. Mm-hmm. What is it? 85% or something of all goods are sold through the channel. And uh, it's just crazy that it's not more mainstream and so many people don't understand the channel. It's true. Um, I tell friends what I do, people what I do, and they just sort of look at me blankly. And then I try to explain <laughs> it. You know, you use the car dealership analogy, right? Um, yeah. And they're like, oh, so that must be just a few people. And I'll say, no, well, you know, Microsoft alone has, what, um, 650,000 partners. And just came out and said they're adding like 7000 a month for the Azure business. It's huge. And it, it's one of those things. We've, we started a group called um, Channel NX to Z. Uh, we have a millennial editor, James Anderson, who's great. We hired him um, right out of the Cronkite School in Phoenix. Hmm. And um, he started with uh, another one of his colleagues, a, um, a group for younger people to sort of Spread the idea of channel as a career path mm-hmm. to get in the next generation. I know I don't know about you, but when I look around our show, the average age skews a little higher than maybe we would like, right? It it sure does. It sure does. I think there's a lot we all need to think about and do to bring more young people coming out of college and thinking about this as a career. I've been thinking about that too, Lorna, and what I might be able to do here in the Atlanta area. We have, um, you know, tech innovation labs and startup communities. And I was thinking I should just go down and volunteer to go talk about the channel. Yeah, yeah. And just get people excited about it and realize with the startups, they may not even realize that there's a whole channel out there. They don't have to build just a direct sales team. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things that we've thought about and we didn't do it for this show, but we've, you know, we're always trying to think about what, what can we add? And we've thought about doing, um, so, uh, other informa events like IoT World, Data Center World, they have what are called startup cities where mm-hmm. they'll, you know, startups essentially go in, they're grouped, and they'll be able to get up on the stage and do demos. And sometimes you'll have VC firms there. So we thought, oh, would that be good for the channel? Like, would um, probably not the end partners, but would our master agent distributor attendees be interested in a stage where startup companies can get up and talk about their products? So that's mm-hmm. something that we're we're noodling on for a future show. So interested in yeah. your thoughts on that. Like, what what would, do you think? I think that would be fantastic. There are you know thousands and thousands of companies starting up because it's gotten so easy to start mm-hmm. a company. You right. know, and the costs are so low. I think a lot of kids with any tech 
or business savvy are going to be going this route because there's, I think they're less interested in the corporate gig. Right. I think they're much more interested in just starting something up, but for them to have a chance to learn about the channel and be presented to partners who have an opportunity, I think that'd be fantastic. I just met with a guy yesterday from the UK. He's over here in Atlanta and he has a startup and he was asking me about how could he build a channel. So I think that's just a small example. Right. Yep. One of the other things that we added for the first time in in Vegas is um, we're calling it your channel partner studio unplugged. And essentially on Thursday morning, um, if you have a supplier or an exhibitor or just a non-partner badge, Janet Chines, Tina Gravel, and um, Teresa Carabell are putting on a session on just that. Like how do you, it's going to start out, how do you find good partners? Tina, as you may know, um, has some really innovative things going on at Sixera with her partner, like Lifetime, customer, um, things like that. So she's going to talk about some of the things she's done and seen done. Mm-hmm. And then um, Janet will get up and talk about just how to really supercharge and enable partners once you get them. Excellent. Well, that'll be fantastic. So where did you get your bug for journalism? Well, um, I've just always liked English. I majored in history. Um, and so writing and yeah, just reading and um, you know, married to an engineer from a family of engineers. So I understand the, um, how they think. Right? And so that's really what was great about network computing is we had a lot of engineers. And so my thing has always been helping them get their great ideas and great knowledge presented in, a, in an accessible way and a way that makes it clear what they're saying and that mm-hmm. the average person can read it. Right. So that, that was sort of just how I really started to love what I do. Well, it started even earlier than that, didn't it? I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and you mentioned that you were the Army publication specialist. <laughs> I was, yes. Yep. And it was a funny story. Um, so I, when I joined, it was sort of, um, well, you know, again, uh, my father served, uh, my grandfather. So I said, well, you know, this might be fun. I'll do this for a few years. And um I was requisitioned to Fort Hood, Texas by the commanding general of the 2nd Armored Division, which is Patton's own. So I had the Hell on wow. Wheels patch. And he didn't oh, like... Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Was, and it, it was, he didn't like the way that the briefings that the staff officers were doing looked. He didn't like the idea that they had to go through a, um, like a, a service bureau, basically, to get their briefing. So he wanted his own little graphics uh, department. And that was me. So I had my little corner of the division headquarters. And if a, a tanker or an infantryman, uh, you know, couldn't work because he broke his leg or something, they would just send them up to help me. So I had this, you know, flow of uh, of guys who some artistic, some not. Um, yeah, and went from there. Worked at. Um, I did copywriting. Uh, so then my husband was in the Navy, so we traveled around. I did copywriting. For a while, I worked at a small newspaper um, in Mystic, Connecticut, sort of doing everything from writing to making the ads to doing the pay stuff, and then uh, came back up here and started with PC Week. When you were in the Army, did you serve overseas as well? I did. I was stationed in Germany for a number of years, and it was fantastic. Um, It was before the wall came down, so you you asked about my biggest adventure, and that was going through Checkpoint Charlie from... um, into East Germany, occupied East Germany. Uh, so, wow. you know, 
a history major, you can imagine. That was super exciting. And yeah, the difference between capitalism and communism sort of went to reality from being on the pages of a, you know, economics textbook. It was just like going from night to day or day to night when you went through. Just the minute you walked through that checkpoint. Oh, yeah. Very, you know, it's almost as you went back in time, um, old vehicles and, and just a different you can't, it's even very hard to explain unless you, you'd been there, but yeah, it was just an amazing thing. And so when you saw that wall come down, that was just, you could really feel like what those people who had been living in the East must have felt like to see how their, sometimes their family members, right, who had been separated by the wall were living. Yeah. And suddenly be able to see that. Yeah. I was studying in France on an exchange program when the wall came down. Wow. And yeah, but I really missed an opportunity. A bunch of my buddies, they hopped in a car and they drove to the wall and they came back with, you know, pieces of concrete. And, um, (laughs) but I don't know why I didn't go. I was probably think I had to study for a test or something, but what a, what a, you know, opportunity to be there for such a historic occasion. Right. That was living history. Yeah. It, yeah, so I, I wish I had done that, but I do remember that very vividly, that, that whole period. Mm, yeah. so, so with the five years you've been in this industry in the channel, what have you seen change either from a, you know, we know a lot of changes from the channel perspective, but from your perspective as uh, in the work that you do, um, you know, how people are getting their news, how you're, how you're getting the news that you serve up, what have you seen change? Right, right. So we've grown um, our uh, our staff has grown significantly. Um, we've been fortunate. And part of that is just acquisitions. Um, you know, Informa first purchased Virgo, then they purchased Penton. So uh, we were able to bring in the MSV mentor and the VAR guy and TC and Chris Blackman, who's awesome, and the, our team from there. So we've expanded the coverage that way. And now, recently, Informa purchased UBM, which owns Information Week. So that's sort of coming full circle, but also Black yeah, back Hat. Up. Yeah, so Black Hat, Enterprise Connect, and Interop, a number of those shows. So um, I've been able, for example, in the Las Vegas show, we're working with our colleague, the Data Center World, to put a mini track on Cloud and Colo. So we've got some interesting speakers who, if you couldn't get to Data Center World, you can come see a few of them at Channel Partners. I'm hoping to do a little bit more of that kind of thing. So that's changed. The, just the, the breadth of the, the information that partners are looking for, I think, on technology. SD-WAN is an example, right? Security, mm-hmm. like advanced security, NFV, 5G. There are some technologies that I think are still really too bleeding edge for to be covering too much. But, boy, and one of the amazing things is that Todd Weiss covers open source for us. And some of the best traffic stories on Channel Futures is about Linux and open source and SUSE and partners are apparently really interested, which is makes me happy. Hmm. So. That was going to be my one of my questions was what type of stories are getting the most attraction, the most readership? Well, you know, the chan- the the in journalism we have a saying, if it bleeds, it leads. So um, that's true in the channel as well. So you know, the recent troubles that Windstream has had and. Mm-hmm. Um, one of I was having its problems. Uh, if you have stories of layoffs, those do very well because that's sort of you know, these are the companies that partners work with. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it depends on the site. So again, on Channel Futures, um, we just launched a subsite called MSSP Insider that is for um, 
people who, and not necessarily the arguments right over, is it MSP, the security or is MSSP, but essentially it's very deep security content. We've brought in some really good security writers there. So that's mm-hmm. doing very, very well. So security, open source, um, and of course, RMM and PSA content is king on um, channel futures. Over on channel partners, you know, UCAS, DRAS, uh, the, the business side, these are people selling the agency model, so they're very interested mm-hmm. in adding services that can bring them that monthly recurring revenue that everyone loves so much. So, yeah. And what about the the mode of readership? Is it mostly online or, or you know, you have other things you're doing on Twitter and other sites, LinkedIn, Facebook? How do those compare? LinkedIn, you know, personally, I don't spend as much time on LinkedIn as I should. I just did an article today after our, our marketing people yelling at me for about three weeks. But um, so LinkedIn is the most popular site for our content. Um, Twitter does mm-hmm. pretty well. Facebook less so. Um, and we do have a magazine twice a year that for some people, um, it hit their desk about two weeks ago, I think, um, with our influencer package in it. Um, and if you didn't get one, there'll be a few hundred of them at Channel Partners that you can grab. You know, we've talked, every time we do a print magazine, we talk about, uh, how do we keep doing this? But we like it, right? It's, it's a great way to reach our, our audience a different way. Yeah, yeah. I still have a few print magazines that I enjoy reading. Yeah. Most of it's online today. A lot of what you've discussed and, and what you're teeing up is from a, from a, for a partner, for partner consumption. How do you see, you know, vendors, the channel chiefs that are out there leveraging what you have to offer, either the, either the conferences or your publications? Right. We have a lot of opportunities at the conferences um, for them to speak. Um, we do Q&As, of course. We always love talking to channel chiefs. And mm-hmm. you know, we found that we can go and interview them and sort of write a story or we can just give their own words. And the partners like to hear exactly what they said. So we do a lot of you know, straight Q&A. Um, at the site, mm-hmm. um, at the show, we have uh, always a channel chief roundtable that's popular. Um, we have a CEO chat that we, we try to get some chief executives in of suppliers. Um, you know, it's tough because when I started there were a lot of supplier speakers at the shows. And that was a little problematic, right? Because um, the people who go to the shows and purchase a conference pass so that they can go to our education sessions, they're paying extra. They're there. They want to learn. They really want to get information for their businesses. And when you have supplier speakers, not I'm not going to name any names, but it, it's very tough. You can say a million times, this is not promotional. You're in there mm-hmm. to give them information and it it just never kind of got through so we've over the four years we've worked very hard and to sort of phase out without devaluing our our supplier friends but Mm -hmm. say if you're going to be speaking for the most part they are going to be independent experts or peers so there are certain places where we do still have suppliers speaking but for the most really a lot of those are paid opportunities a meal sponsorship where you get up on the keynote stage or yeah various paid it's the way it is right Uh, you know um, yeah yeah. we've all seen way too many of those vendor commercial pitches yes yeah it's it's a problem Uh, because it it hurts them it hurts us you know um the biggest way probably right now is um contributed content so we are one of the few sites even within um our sister sites in informa that do accept content 
from um, suppliers. We don't care who writes it as long as it's good content, we'll take it and we'll post it. So um, there are guidelines on the site, uh, how to engage with channel partners and channel futures. Um, you know, basically a good column is 750 to 1,000 words. It's you're trying to boil the ocean. You're doing a you know contained topic. You're not being pitchy. You know you're you're telling something you observe. It doesn't have to necessarily be business advice. It could be technology. Yeah. So if a supplier sends me a column, I evaluate it and we we generally post them. Is that something channel chiefs out there who want to build their personal brand a bit? Is that a, a good avenue for them to do that? Absolutely. I would say yeah. We have. Some writers from suppliers who do regular sort of columns, they'll send one a month or so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that's great. And we, we're happy to publicize them. We tweet them out. If uh, a supplier were getting a speaking spot, almost always it's because they wrote just a column that just blew me away. And I'm like, all right. Well, uh, that's also how we do our call for, for submissions. We don't have a typical call for topics for abstract because uh, when we were doing that, we would get a bunch in, and that was great. We were very happy that people were interested, but they were almost all just not relevant or, or not what we were looking for, right? And so yeah. then people kind of got aggravated, and it was just sort of we read them all, and it, it was it just took a lot of time for everybody. So we changed it a few years ago that if you want to speak at one of our events, send us a column. And from uh, June to December uh, is for the spring show. In the other half of the year, um, we evaluate them for the fall show. So mm-hmm. if you think, you know, I've been to all these shows. I've never seen a session on topic. I think this is something that people need to know about. Um, write a really great column on it. Send it, and you might get um, get a spot. Well, I might take you up on that after I go to the show in Vegas. I'll, I'll see what's missing and, and come up with some ideas. Absolutely. All right, good. Well, we're coming towards the end of our time. Any tips for any listeners? Well, I don't know if our listeners would be interested. I'm interested. Maybe our listeners have children who are in college or interested in a career in channel publications. Ah. What advice would you, what advice would you have for them? It's a pretty niche market. It is a niche market. Um, hmm. Well, for anyone going into journalism, you know, you're not going to get rich, right? It's a tough career to break into, but. Um, Going into a specialized section of journalism does give you a better chance of success. So I do go and talk sometimes to high school students who are who want to be journalists. And you know, if you want to go and cover the Washington bureau for, you know, Vanity Fair, you've got a lot of competition, right? But if you yeah. can write about SD WAN, you've got a much better chance of of being able to get in there. And and just writing is like any other skill. Like you just have to do it. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. You know, talk to people. Good journalists tend to, as I've spent an hour yapping, but tend to listen a lot more than they talk, right? And they they like being around people smarter than themselves, which I definitely do. Yeah. And so it's tech journalism, I think is um, a good field. I think it's, somewhere they can get into. And you know what? If they are out there and they would like to write a column for us, send along, we'll publish it. That's a good way to get started. Yep. Excellent. Well, any parting comments, anything that we didn't chat about that you want to let our listeners know? Um, just that I hope they're, they're able to join us in Vegas. It's getting down to the wire. I know it's kind of late. I know that we had some problems with housing, that we're, the Mandalay was sold up, but we got a giant block of rooms at the Luxor and the newly renovated tower, not the you know, not so good one. So if you haven't booked yet, 
come on through. If you use the code Lorna, L-O-R-N-A, you get, I think, 20% off or, or you get definitely some kind of a discount. I always get Ooh. a vanity um, discount code from our marketing team. So That's a, a big that. bonus for the listeners, the, the Lorna code. <laughs> the Lorna code, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll try that out. Well, Lorna, it's been great chatting with you. I really enjoyed it. I know our listeners will too. And I look forward to seeing you in Vegas. All right. I'll see you there. Have a good day. All right, guys. That was a lot of fun talking with Lorna. And I cannot wait to join her in Vegas with 6,200 partners, distributors, and vendors just two weeks away. And if you're there, I'd love to see you too. Just send me a note on LinkedIn and we can connect. For those of you listening in from Europe, you'll have a chance to meet Lorna at the first International Channel Partners event taking place in London. Thanks again for listening. Remember to check out the key takeaways and show notes and resources on channeljourneys.com backslash CJ13. And be sure to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Oh, and I almost forgot, Channel Journeys is now also available on Spotify. Join me next week for another episode of Channel Journeys where I'll be talking with Taylor McDonald a very sage channel chief who's also the SVP of channels at Sage Intact. Until then, have a great channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.